Happy Thursday, everybody. This is Brandon Busteed, president of University Partners at Kaplan. Delighted to have you join us again for another episode of Bold Leaders and Learning. And I'm excited today to talk to Rob Simulcare, who's the founder and CEO of Persona. I'm a little intimidated, I have to admit, because I'm interviewing a professional interviewer today. Uh, Rob will tell you a little bit more about his background, but he's been uh, an on-air personality. He's had a long background in the media world and, um, and, is, and is off to an incredible new business that has come from his experiences in that. So we're going to learn a little bit more about Rob and Persona and then talk a little bit about how this uh, applies to the world of education and, uh, and potentially to the world of work in terms of how to help college students and graduates uh, make themselves more attractive candidates. So a lot of fun things to talk about today. Uh, Rob, I know you are uh, lucky to have power right now. It sounds like the storm got you guys pretty good there in Connecticut, but uh, beyond uh, telling us where, where, you, where you're uh, broadcasting from, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background and then we'll, we'll jump from there to talk more about Persona. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, Brandon, thank you so much. This is great. Really appreciate the opportunity. And yeah, I'm happy to have Wi-Fi and power here in uh, Norwalk, Connecticut. Westport, where I live, is still pretty much off the grid. So good to have an office sometimes. Um, so yeah, I launched Persona um, just about a year and change ago. Um, that's when I left NBC Sports, where I was working, to launch the company. Um, I had been uh, at NBC Sports for seven years. Before that, ESPN and, and Disney. Um, and before that, I practiced law for a couple of years. So I've done a couple of different things. But, um, you know, it's funny when I think about my background as a lawyer, as a journalist, as an executive in all those places, there was one thing that I realized about a year and a half ago, I realized there was one thing that was sort of in common across all those things I had done, which is, you know, asking questions, right? I, I loved the process of asking people questions and you know, getting answers and conversation. And that was something that was common across all three of the things I really had done in my life. And, you know, the idea for Persona actually came through a sort of a random personal event. I had a cousin who was cleaning out his attic and he found a bunch of old photos uh, as he was cleaning them out. And one of them was this old photo of my grandfather, um, guy named Carl Simulcare, who's been deceased now for 20 years. And this was a photo of him when he was very young. He was like a 20-something-year-old young man standing on a rooftop uh, in Harlem, New York, where he lived. And I was really uh, sort of, you know, captivated by this photo. I hadn't seen a picture of him in a long time and not one of him being so young. And I realized that, you know, wow, I've interviewed a lot of people. I interviewed my you know, people on the air when I was at ESPN, ABC News, NBC Sports, I hosted a podcast, radio show, all this stuff. I'd interviewed hundreds of people. And I realized I had never interviewed my grandfather, you know, when he was alive, or my mom, or my dad, or my kids. And so that was sort of what got me thinking initially about interviews. And I thought, wow, that's something I should have done. And there should be a platform for interviews, right? A place where anyone could create an interview like that with a loved one, a family member, or a news interview, or sports, or whatever, and like a place to put that stuff, not just audio, but video, right? And so that was like the first inkling of what ultimately became Persona, and it's evolved a lot since then, and I'm sure will continue to evolve, but yeah, that's kind of the, that was the aha moment. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I heard you tell the example of that uh, story about, you know, 
regretting not interviewing your grandfather on a podcast that I listened to that you'd done a few weeks ago. And, and it, it brought me back to remembering one of the things that my, my mom did uh, probably 30 years ago now. She did an interview of her parents on one of the old school tape recorders, right? And, you know, we still, I mean, it's hard to find anything to play this in now because it's on a cassette tape, but it was just priceless to be able to listen to their voices. And, you know, in, in, a, in a day and age when that stuff wasn't captured like it is now, and it is a good reminder of taking advantage of those moments the other thing I think about just two nights ago, I watched uh, Field of Dreams with my kids. First time mm -hmm. they'd seen the movie. Right. And the, and the whole story is about, you know, regrets that, you know, he, uh, you know, parted ways with his dad before his dad died in a way that, you know, he regretted and wanted to go back and redo it. And um, anyway, I, I think that that your story resonates with a lot of people. Right. To think about interviewing family members, interviewing friends in ways that you might not have ever done before. And so. It's it's a I think it's an exciting idea. Uh, obviously, you're you know you're in the early months of this, but uh, but I, I'm certainly excited to hear about it. And you know when you think about the platform, I was I was playing with a little bit earlier today, and I actually sent I sent a question to my son and had him ask it uh, answer it on uh, on video, Great. Um, which was which was fun just to see his his own reaction to it. But so it allows people to send questions and create interviews with with private family members. It also is a platform where a lot of interviewers interviews are being conducted uh, mainly around the political landscape right now. So just tell us a little bit more about what it does, right? Why is it different than television right now and the news and, and social media? Where, where does it fit in all that? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, great question. So, you know, really it starts um, with my thesis, my belief that something special happens when there's an interview, right? When, when there's question and answer-based conversations, to me, that's a different and unique form of content versus all the other stuff that's out there. So yes, we talk about people and we want people to do the kinds of things you're doing, interviewing your son, sending questions. That's obviously at the spiritual core of persona, but we want it to be a platform for all kinds of interviews, including public interviews, news interviews, sports interviews. So if you go on the platform today and you can download it, from uh, personatalks.com um, for Android or iOS. Um, what you'll see the first time you go to the homepage is, yeah, lots of interviews organized by topic. We've got about 30 different topics, politics, sports, entertainment, and you can just sort of scroll through and watch different conversations with different people. And so for me, that's a way of connecting with what's going on in the world that's different than any other sort of news. I mean, we talked about this before the interview, Right now, what, what is called news in this country, for better or worse, I think mostly worse, is mostly editorializing that is masquerading as news, right? It's opinion that is calling itself news, and it's whether it's on the left or the right or whatever it is, that's what it is. And my belief about interviews is, it comes back to my legal training, right? An interview to me is like a mini trial. You have a lawyer in the form of the journalist asking questions, You've got a witness in the form of the person who's being interviewed. And then you, the viewer, is the jury. And you're sitting there and you're watching this interview. And what it does is it allows you to make up your own mind, right? You can, right. You can come in with whatever presupposed facts you have, but you're going to make a judgment about that interview one way or another that's going to be based on the questions and the way that they're answered. It's a, right. sort of an unspinnable thing in a lot of ways, right? Even spin as a viewer you can sort of suss out like, well, 
this person's not really answering the questions that are being asked. And so you right. can sort of judge for yourself what that means to you. And I think that's what's unique about persona is you can get lots of different types of content about news, sports, anything else you want in a lot of different places. But right now, persona is the only place that is focused specifically on this kind of content. And I think that that's the best value that we give to people today in the early part of our existence on day one. Yeah. And I, and I think that certainly has a place in, uh, in the vast landscape of, of media and information right now. So I, you know, I'm certainly a fan of, of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Let's talk a little bit because I know you have had the vision from the beginning that persona can apply in powerful ways in the field of education. Think about how to, uh, you know, put this tool in the hands of students where they can interview somebody about a particular topic, right? Learn how to be good interviewers, whether they have any interest in being a journalist someday or not, put that aside, right? The, the value of learning how to ask good questions is something that's linked to a powerful thing that we want to encourage in our children, which is curiosity or creativity. And so I'm curious to what, you know, what degree you see applications within the education field, whether it's K-12, higher ed, just tell me a little bit more about that part of where you, you see it forecasting. I think education is one of the areas that gets me most excited about persona. Um, you know, an, another one of the signals that sort of got me to go jump out of my comfy corporate existence and launch a startup was when, you know, my, my daughter, she was in fifth grade at the time, was sent home from school uh, back when she was going to school <laughs> and <laughs> her assignment was interview a family member, right? And she wisely chose to interview her mom, not me, because she's heard enough from me. Uh, and she interviewed her mom about my mom, my wife's a doctor and what it was like as a doctor. That that actually would have become even a more inter interesting interview in the era of COVID and everything that she was going through with that. But it, it forced my daughter to think of questions, right? I mean, this is her mother. And there were things that she really didn't know anything about her mom when it came to what she did for a living or what life was like before there was a Julia, right? So that creates a, a, a level of curiosity that I think is a really important part of K through even you know early primary education. As you get further on to secondary and then to certainly colleges and universities, I think it becomes equally as important and it becomes not just a tool to learn how to interview and ask good questions, but also one of my goals is for Persona to be this bank, this knowledge bank, so that if you're doing research on an industry, on a country, on a person, you know, one of the things you'll be able to do is go to Persona, search on those topics or on that individual and see this bank of conversations that cover those things. I think it's a really um, potentially powerful knowledge base for people as they're going out and learning about different areas. Yeah, and I see my kids are 11 and 9, and, you know, one of the things they struggle with is asking questions. You know, we'll get on with Gigi Pops, right, to say hi to Gigi Pops, and, uh, and you know, I'll say something like, well, you know, Annabelle Harrison, what do you want to ask them? You know, ask them about their day. Ask them what, like, otherwise they're just listening. They're answering questions from Gigi Pops, but they're not thinking about that, and it's a different kind of muscle that needs to be exercised. And, and, you know, it goes 100%. back to this, uh, you know, I always think about this through the lens of the Latin root of the word education means to lead out of, not interestingly stuff into. And I worry that our education system does a lot of stuffing into students, right? 
memorize different facts and figures and certain things like that. But what we really need to do at that, at, at, in, the, in the essence of education is help lead things out of people, right? Lead the questions out of them, lead the curiosity out of them and allows them to, uh, to discover the world or learn that information in different ways. I would say stickier ways, right? If I ask you a question that I've thought of asking and you tell me that answer, my bet is that, you know, that's something that's going to be much more memorable than if it was just, you know, uh, a, a little snippet that I read in a book about you, right? So, yes. I mean, these things make a lot of sense. My, my question is, do you think that the, the practice of questioning can create curiosity or do you just have to be curious to come up with questions? Like where, is this a chicken and egg thing or does it go both mm -hmm. ways in your mind? I think asking questions can be learned. You know, I, I don't think it's like a born thing or an innate thing, you know, where either you're curious and ask good questions or you're not curious and you don't. I think people can learn to ask good questions. And, it, and it, it's, it, it's, I think, as you said, it's a muscle that has to be exercised. And I do the same thing with my kids. You know, uh, a, we encounter adults in the street and a, an adult in the street and they say, oh, say, oh, how are you? How are you? And, you know, you've got to train your kids to say, okay, well, answer the question. But then it's polite. And in fact, it's a real show of respect to ask a question back. How was your day? How was right. your summer? What yeah. are you doing? That, that is a show of respect because you're showing that person that you're, you're curious about something relating to them. And that is a, it is something that can be trained and learned. And then I think that that feedback loop, as you say, of asking a question, getting an answer, there's a, I think there's a validation that comes from someone answering your question because that is also a show of respect. Right. You ask me a question, I'm gonna answer your question. That I think is, is a self-reinforcing loop that yeah. will create more curious people. Yeah, I, I like that. And it makes a lot of sense. And, and by the way, for those of us who are, are live, uh, you know, feel free to put some questions in the, in the uh, dialogue box. What, what questions do you want to ask of a professional questioner or interviewer um, as we're with Rob right now? But, and by the way, Brandon, yeah. I want to add on to that. For those who want to ask me a question and get a direct personalized video answer, you can do that on Persona. So if you download the nice. app, which you can do again from personatalks.com. You know, I'm a media guy. I'm not going to miss my plug. <laughs> um, and you just search for Rob Simulcare. You can send me a direct question and then I'll send you an answer. Well, that's even better. I mean, I, you know, I can feed them to you as we're on the live show here, but uh, that, that sounds like a superior way to get a real, real live video answer from Rob. So, um, so I think that's great. Let's, let's talk a little bit. One of the other things that, you, that our opportunity to talk today made me think about was uh, thinking about college graduates who are going into the workplace, right? Interviewing for their first job or maybe interviewing for an internship. You know, these are really big opportunities. They're, they're you know, the first time in many cases that they've been in those situations. And I think a lot of students prepare time thinking about what, what answers they're gonna give to questions. But then what happens at the end of those interviews where I think the most important part of the interview is at the end when the manager or the, the interviewer says, so Rob, do you have any questions for me? <laughs> and on one hand, you know, it's like the throwaway moment to like close the, you know, close the interview, right? On the other hand, you could say, geez, if you crush that, right? Like the, 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 to now the tables are turned and to be able to ask a question, right? You don't want to just ask a stupid question about, well, what are the benefits and how many vacation days are there? Like, that's your chance to really ask something smart, insightful, right? Something that you can learn about that, 
that manager, right, to determine whether that's the kind of person you want to work for and with. So, so tell me a little bit about, you know, the value you see in this art of questioning in helping a college student prepare for a, an interview, for an internship or a job. What advice would you have? And oh, by the way, I'll hit you with a question. If, if, if you gave them advice, what's one of the questions you'd ask at the end of an interview if someone said, so Rob, do you have any questions for me? What would you ask in that situation? Yeah, so the first thing I'll say to people, and I totally agree with you that it is a really important part of the interview. And don't think when that question, when that opportunity comes that they're done sort of judging you, right? They, they, they're probably judging you more from the questions you ask than they are from the answers you gave. And, you know, this saying that goes around, there's no such thing as a, as a bad question or a dumb question, not true. <laughs> there are bad questions and, and a question about, you know, how long do I get for lunch hour or how much vacation time do I get? Or, you know, when can I expect my first raise, right? Those are all bad questions in that situation. What you want to ask and the kind of question I would ask really to me is about, it is about, a lot of, I think the, the question's about day to day, right? And about what does a week look like here? What, what does a day look like? What, what is the sort of, um, what are the kinds of interactions I'll be having with others in the company? Um, you know, meetings, opportunities to collaborate um, and, and, and things of that nature, I think are always a good way to go. So you can both for yourself, get a sense of what it's like to be somewhere. And, you know, just, you know, it's, it's just a good chance to get a sense of things. I think questions about the business and the industry are great questions to ask. Obviously, you should have done your research when you go in. And if you have a question about a recent development in the business, a recent article you read, hey, I, I read this article about, you know, one of your competitors and this new product that they're rolling out. Um, do you see that as a threat? How, how are you how is the company going to respond to that, right? Like that is a great question. If you've done your research and you, you can come in with that sort of a question, now they're going to see you as someone who is thinking globally and big picture about the industry and has a, a real interest in the business, you know, that they're going into and isn't just looking for a, a J-O-B, right? They're looking for a career. So I, I think that it, it is a crucial time in an interview and you know, one of the I think one of the best compliments you can get, or the, one of the best feedback uh, types that someone could give about someone who they just interviewed, is well, they asked really good questions. You know, if, yeah. if I'm going to HR and they're saying, "How was the interview with Joe?" Right? I'm going to say, "Well, you know, he or or Jill or whoever asked great questions." That 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 sticks with the person who gave the interview. Yeah, and, and in the education world, you, you know this because it's one of the things that everybody talks about, what we want students to become. We all agree that we want students to become critical thinkers. It's a term that everybody, you know, yes, that's what we want. But we don't do a really great job defining what we mean by that. What you just described, right, you could argue that, you know, yes, you had to do some homework. You had to know a little bit about the company, the industry. You had to have some information that you synthesized to generate a good question in that regard. But, but critical thinking is about critical questioning. And I don't think that we've put a huge emphasis on that. I mean, yes, it's about how do we, how do we sort through information? I've heard critical thinking talked about in the context of, you know, how do you summarize lots of different information. How do you know what information matters the most? But it's how do you ask 
the data the right question. You can be sitting on a treasure trove of data. This is the big problem in the field of data science. We have more data than we've ever had our hands on. It's not necessarily that we don't have enough people who know how to manipulate that data. We're still a little short on that talent, but the talent we're really short on is knowing what questions to start with, what questions to ask that data. So I, again, I, you know, I go back to the value of interviewing, the value of questioning um, in the context of critical thinking. We wanna talk about creating critical thinking among students. It's gotta involve critical questioning. And so I'm curious, as you think about your educational experience, right? I mean, obviously you went to law school, you were trained as a lawyer, but were there, were there really special moments in your educational journey where the value of questioning was just really brought home to you? Mm, that's a um, that's a great great question. You know, the one that um, the one that jumps out at me actually was in law school. I remember I was studying for my uh, first year one L law school exams, which anyone who's been to law school knows is like a super stressful time. And I remember that I was going through my notes from that semester, it was civil procedure. And I remember there was a particular sort of thing that stood out in my notes where the professor had talked about a certain very specific rule of civil procedure and had made a comment about it that I thought was interesting about whether this rule was somehow unconstitutional. And I thought, hmm, that seems like it could be a good question for a final exam. And I remember I said, I'm gonna book, and this was after the exam had already been written and you know, we were just in the study, the, the run up to studying for it. I said, I'm gonna book some office hours with her to go in and ask about this. And I went in with my roommate, I remember, and we asked her questions about this comment she had made and, and all about this particular rule. And wouldn't you know it, that turned out to be the question on the final exam. So we, <laughs> we literally had like an hour long conversation with her about that particular question. And we had, we had our answer written on the final. Basically, it was like it was take home final. So it was like a cut paste. And I, you know, was fortunate to get an A on that one. I was hard not to after after that. So yeah, like that was a moment That's where awesome. curiosity and like seeing a question that was there to be asked and then going and asking that question turned out to be a great thing for, for to do. And you know, law school is all about that, right? I mean, law school is all about asking questions, the platonic, the, you know, the platonic method, right? Sorry, what am I saying? Socratic method, Plato I'm thinking about. The Socratic method of teaching, you know, and Socrates and the dialogues, like that's the fundamental basis for right. knowledge that I talk about that a lot when I talk about persona and how important dialogues that involve questions and answers really are. Yeah, and we got, we got to, so, I'm, I'm glad I asked you that because I always think about, you know, critical moments in my development, you know, teachers, uh, certain educational experiences, you know, I think we all we all have those examples. I'm getting a couple of questions from the audience now that I thought I'd throw at you real quick. Um, one, which which I'm interested in the answer to as well is uh, who are your couple of your favorite interviewers? So all mm. the folks you've seen out there, right? Who would you pick as one of your, you know, one of your favorites? Love that question. And I've got a number who I would say are like heroes, to be honest, in that in that regard. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, I grew up watching 60 Minutes. I was like a, a 60 Minutes geek at like 10, 11, 12 years old. And I loved Mike Wallace, right? I loved watching him. He was sometimes very confrontational, but I loved watching his interviews. 
uh, especially on you know issues that were really controversial. He he didn't always follow some of the rules I think interviewers should follow because he was so confrontational. But it was great television, and he he got answers from people. The Mike Wallace interview was like something that everybody dreaded, but it was also a sort of a, a some it was a must watch, right? Um, I think you know it's hard to not talk about Oprah, right? And you think about Oprah as many things, uh, as she was an actress, she was uh, obviously an amazing businesswoman, but I think what really made Oprah Oprah was her interviewing ability. And she, what she has and had was a, a, just a special ability to connect with someone yeah. on an emotional level. And when you do that, you get things back that no one else can get. You know, there was a level of, respect for her that people walked into, you know, and sat on her couch with a level of awe of her. And then the emotional side of it just created some really unbelievable um, moments. And then I think, you know, in the current moment we're in, you know, I hate to be like such a Wallace fan, but like, I actually think, you know, Mike Wallace's son, Chris Wallace is actually turning into an amazing interview. If you watch the interview he did with Donald Trump a couple of weeks ago, it was uh, it was an amazing interview that you know brought things out that I don't think anyone else has gotten out of Donald Trump. So those are a few that I really like, but, but I mean there there's so many. I, I just I happen to love the format, and I think there's there's just yeah. nothing like a great interview. And then one more I'll sort of t mention, and I'm gonna forget the woman's name, but if you if you look up this interview that this BBC journalist did with Prince Andrew, um, I don't know seven or eight months ago, if you want if you want an example of just an unbelievable interview. The preparation, the line of questioning, and what um, this woman did to Prince Andrew, and, 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 and what he did to himself, frankly, and the way that he talked about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein, and how indefensible it was, right? I mean, she just clinically took him apart, and I, I think that's one of the best interviews that you're ever gonna see. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I haven't seen that one. I'll, I'll follow up and watch that one. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I took away from analysis around this uh, Axios interview of Trump that just happened two days ago. Jonathan a, Swan, I should mention Jonathan his name. Swan, yeah, because he did a phenomenal uh, job in that interview. Yeah. And the, the, the analysis uh, on it was, you know, that he just kept following up with simple questions like who says that? Why? What? You know, and, and so it wasn't that there was necessarily I mean, there were there were good framing questions, but it was also the willingness to keep chipping away at just the fundamentals, the who, what, why, where, you know, like who says that, you know, when, when you say they say that. And so I thought, you know, that was really interesting, too. And in some cases, you know, you think about these interviews, I mean, it's a bit of a chess match. Like if you're really doing journalistic interviewing and you are, you know, really trying to dig at something, uh, I mean, it, you know, this is where I think your legal background and your interviewing is, you know, all, all, you know, starting to, you know, make a lot of sense in terms of how it hangs together. You know, you, you can, you can ask questions of somebody that leads them to a place where like an Oprah example, they become disarmed because of her emotional connection with them. Uh, or, you know, somebody has just thought about a sequential set of questions that leads somebody to a box that they can't get out of if they're really guilty about something or whatever it might be, right? So, you know, I think there's, there's obviously a lot of different versions of interviewing that lead to very productive outcomes. Um, and one of the other questions that, that, uh, that's, that's, that's been asked on our uh, live feed is from Heather Lulaski. And she, first she says, I love the product and concept. Uh, her question is, 
how, how do you plan to go about evaluating or how would you evaluate the progress of learners who are trying to improve their question asking skills uh, on your tool, right? So like, what are the ways that you would measure whether I'm becoming a better interviewer or not? And obviously there's different, you know, different versions of interviewing as we just kind of talked about, but I think that's a really good question. What, what are your thoughts on that so far? That's a fantastic question. And that's actually one I have never been asked before about persona. Um, Way to go, Heather. I think, yeah, good job, Heather. Thank you for the question. Um, I would answer that in a couple of different ways. I think that one measure of success, of course, if someone wants to be an interviewer and wants people to follow them, right, will be the feedback they get from other users. You know, how many people follow them? How many people watch their interviews? We haven't yet built, right now, the, it, we're so early with the product. We don't have a comment section yet. We have, you can just sort of clap for an interview, like it. Um, we're going to be adding comments and feedback and things like that. But I think the audience will tell you a fair amount, right, about how well you're doing. I think the question also makes me think about maybe a product feature that we might think about adding in the future. You know, we're, we're thinking about what a premium product might look like for certain types of users. And I think like a tutorial or a feedback session for super users or premium users to watch their interviews with them. I do this now with my interns. I have a group yeah. of seven college interns, most of whom are journalism students, whose job it is to A, help me like find good content to put on the platform. And then they're also going out and doing interviews themselves. And so I do one-on-one -on -one sessions with them about their interviews. So that I could see that being something that we actually either written feedback or even one-on-one -on -one feedback we can yeah. make as part of a premium experience on the on the platform so that's that's i really appreciate that question it actually gives me some ideas yeah I, I think that's a great one right to what degree can you get some personalized feedback or group feedback or you know that like an education one of the other powerful uh educational pedagogies is 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 iteration right so you do something i give you feedback on it you go back you tweak it you come back i give you more feedback right and so the first product looks nothing like the final product because there was all sorts of iterative feedback. And even that feedback from peers among first graders has been proven to be a real game changer in terms of what the ultimate, you know, product or, or work product that that student produces is. So and I it's think it's huge in the, yeah. in the world I'm living in now of entrepreneurialism and product development like that. That's what it's all about. You, you put something out in the world, you get feedback from users and then you, you change it. You know, I, I always, uh, I love to, you know, I love writing. And I always use this phrase, there's no such thing as good writing. There's just good editing, right? And, and that's really what it is, is you write something and then you edit and you edit and you edit and, yeah. and then hopefully you get to a good product. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we, uh, I, I told you that 30 minutes was going to go fast. We've already, we've already burned through it, which uh, wow, feels like flew. it was- it feels like it was eight to 10, um, but I tell you what, you know, you're, you're in this mode of iterating on what you've just launched. Uh, I think a lot of us are gonna be excited to see how it evolves. And, uh, and I'd love to book some time with you this time next year and you know, hear, hear, hear how it's gone. So if you're up for that, I'll make sure we, uh, we circle back around for, for a round two at some point soon here. 100%, I would love to do it and um, appreciate your uh, having me. Thanks also to, Kaplan. Uh, by the way, you can follow Kaplan on Persona. They created an account, so you can follow Kaplan, but awesome. appreciate it. Great conversation, and I look forward to another one. All right. Have a great, great rest of the week, Rob. Good luck with uh, all the power outages and trees there. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You too. Be all well. right.